If you think you felt a great disturbance in the force, you're not wrong. Ed Gross and me, Mark A. Altman, have a new oral history coming out this July from St. Martin's Press. It's Secrets of the Force, the complete, uncensored, unauthorized oral history of the Star Wars saga. So wherever you buy books, audio and video, pick it up today, pre-order, and you can learn the secrets of the Force. And don't miss our oral history of Star Trek in stores now. And of course, nobody does it better. The complete oral history of James Bond in digital, hardcover, paperback, and audio. That is all. If you're a fan of the 430 movie, you'll love Best Movies Never Made, hosted by myself, Josh Miller. And Steven Scarlatta. Where we explore some of the greatest movies never made, like E.T. 2. Johnny Quest. Beetlejuice Goes Hawaiian. And Halloween 3D. New episodes available every other Monday, wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're a fan of Inglorious Trexperts, you're going to love Trexperts Briefing Room. A Trexperts new Briefing Room? What is that? I was about to explain, then you interrupted oh, me. I'm it sorry. Is, it's curated audio commentaries of classic Star Trek episodes. From the original series all the way through Enterprise, you're going to love it as we explore the behind-the-scenes making of all these wonderful Star Trek episodes with cast and crew that you would never expect to hear doing audio commentaries on Star Trek. Sounds like fun. It will be. And you <laughs> can find it on the Inglorious Trexperts podcast feed and on the new Trexperts Briefing podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Let's go see what's out there. This is Mark A. Altman, and this is Humphrey Bogart Week on the 430 Movie. Hey, tough guys, you ready for <laughs> for, 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 for a really down and dirty episode? You bet. We're talking you. about bogey. <laughs> we're talking about dames. We're talking about gunsels. And we're talking about... We're talking Bo about... Bogart I, our week, man. The Bogart <laughs> our week. Okay. So on Monday... <laughs> Oh, wait. Moving in for the wrong, kill. Wrong guy. Not it's him. Mr. Steve Melching. <laughs> <laughs> well, hi there. How are you doing? <laughs> you expected to petrify on Tuesday? No. To petrify Darren Dockerman. Darren Dockerman, Tuesday. This looks to me like the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Wednesday. What? With Ashley Edward Miller. <laughs> <laughs> Round up the usual suspects. Uh, 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 be me. <laughs> and I am Mark A. Altman, and this is Humphrey Bogart Week. We've had a couple of uh, weeks we've done, you know, uh, actors, directors, uh, specifically. We did Gene Hackman Week. We did Michael Caine. Takes a lot for us to do a week devoted to a specific actor, but Humphrey Bogart, clearly worthy of his own week. He is an American icon. He defines star power, which is something in short he, supply these days. In to anyone movies. over 45, he does. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, but aren't they still buying like an Ikea, like Humphrey Bogart, like college students are buying like Ikea, but they don't know who he is. They just think the fedora is cool. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, the door is always cool. I, you know, look, I, we, we were talking before the show a little bit about the Oscars, and we're not going to belabor the point because... Um, 
it's just not worth belaboring. <laughs> but you know, I remember as a kid, you know, and 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 growing up watching, and, and there were all these stars, Nicholson, and you know, even people who I'd never seen in a movie. As you know, I knew they were, you know, they were huge stars. You know, Jimmy Stewart, Cary Grant, Catherine Hepburn. You know, these, these were. I mean, it's like who who do we have today the other than Harrison Ford? Yeah, I mean, yeah, even like a- even in that ridiculous in memoriam segment. Sean Connery got what was it a millisecond? Sean freaking Connery. And he was gone. I mean, <laughs> it was like, like just he was Sean. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, it's it just like Hollywood was built on stars. I mean, everybody knows the old MGM, you know, slogan: "More stars than there are in heaven." You know, that was the big thing that they had. The, you know, all the stars under contract. You know. You know, Don't Warner Brothers, Jack Warner were, you know, was a little different at, at Warner Brothers. They, you know, they made stars and, 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 yeah. um, boy, that, there wasn't a bigger star really than Humphrey Bogart. Well, you know, it, 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 it's a different world, obviously. You know, there's in terms of, of entertainment, filmed entertainment to watch, there's just so much of it, not just in theaters, but on television. And it's a totally different experience seeing a, a movie star on a big screen than seeing a movie star on a little screen. You know, it's, it's, it went back in the forties, fifties, sixties, thirties through the seventies the and eighties, you know, you, people were going to the theaters a lot more and, and seeing these star vehicles with, you know, their faces, you know, 20 feet high on a giant screen. And well, Steve, uh, do you think because they were under contract and they were doing so many more movies a year that's kind of also how they became, it was different then because, you know, they were under contract and Louis Mayer or Jack Warner would say, you're doing this movie, you know, and you're doing this movie, you're doing that, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And people would go to see movies because that star was in it. Do you think well, sure. I mean, that helped build up the star system? And yeah, there was that whole infrastructure there to support that, you know, with the, uh, the fan magazines and, and yeah. all that sort of thing. And, and there was, a, they preserved a little more of the mystique of the movie star uh, in those days. Well, they created it. Right. <laughs> right. From, yeah. from nothing. Dust of preservation. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, it was, it was a complete magical factory. And uh, the, the, uh, the images on screen weren't the only fantasies that were going on. Um, such was the real life uh, stars, you know. I mean, they, yeah. they, they portrayed them in, like you said, in fan magazines and uh, all the press as these, uh, you know, deities that walk the earth, practically. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they, they controlled everything. The studios controlled everything about it. Well, so, the image, you, you never saw them when they weren't, they weren't on, yeah, quote unquote. Right. They, they were weren't dressed acting. to the nines. They yep. were, yeah, at fancy parties. And, you know, now you got, you know, probably one of the bigger stars today, Tom Hanks. You know, he started as a sitcom actor, basically. Yeah. And, and is, you see him on talk shows all the time. And it's a totally different, there's no mystique about well, him. There's, there's maybe four or five actors who can, quote, open a movie meaning that people will go to see them in a movie. Maybe. Not anymore. And it's, I, I it's, can't even it's tell not, you who that is. Nothing is guaranteed anymore. Yeah. And, you know, movie stars, we don't even have network stars anymore to battle. That's you know. right. Which is too bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to ask you about that because, you know, you made a really good point in saying there's not, in the old days, you'd go to see a movie no matter what it was because of the star who was in it. 
now the star is the IP, isn't it? It's Marvel right. or Star Wars or, you know, any, any, I was going to say Star Trek, but we all know that's not true. So, um, or, it's or, that very, or the star is so married to that IP that they can't right. really open a movie outside of that particular IP. Right. Because, I mean, even somebody who, who, you know, when you talk about Harrison Ford, when you talk about Harrison Ford, he really is the only one of the few people you look back at. That's, that's a classic Hollywood star. But look at all the flops he's had. You know, he couldn't yeah. open Call of the Wild. He couldn't open, you know, just because he was in it. You know, I, they're, they're, you know, it's not like people just say, oh, Harrison Ford is in it. I'm going. Yeah. You know, and, and like but that. he's as Nobody close as I think he can get. I mean, Tom Cruise anything. can open a Mission Impossible movie. But a Mission Impossible yeah. movie. But he yeah, can't but open I, Oblivion. Right. 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 Just like Will Smith can maybe open the right vehicle, but he couldn't open like, you know, what was after, after Earth. Earth. Yeah, exactly. Like it just But you know you know who might be the one true then star who I think can open a movie regardless what he, Denzel. Denzel Washington. People will go see D Denzel whatever he's in. You know, I, I you know, what what was like the last flop he had? Because you know, for a long time everybody thought Will Smith could do no uh, do no wrong. And then he had a succession of flops. But uh, and then Harrison too. Um, but well, Denzel but, but, Washington also has a, a knack for picking good scripts and good right. movies to be. Plus, in. when he like is in a movie that doesn't work, you just kind of forget that he was. <laughs> it's like some weird power that he has. Like nothing to see here. Denzel is gone. You forget taking <laughs> Bethlehem one two three. <laughs> you know, forget like that Ridley Scott or Tony Scott movie about time travel. Deja vu. That didn't happen. Just, <laughs> you forget. It's like he's like a Jedi. It's like this is not the movie you're looking for. Denzel always opens a movie. It's uh, yeah. But I would agree with you though that like that if there's any actor that we go, yeah, he's he's gonna be he at least is gonna be interesting in a movie. Like we know that he is. It's probably Denzel. And I, I guess I guess the case could probably be made for DiCaprio and Brad Pitt. You know, being. You know, yeah. quote unquote movie stars. Yeah, yeah, but, but again, material dependent. Yeah, it, it's all dependent on the material and and how it's presented, because they can't just present, "Hey, here's Brad Pitt in a movie." Yep. They need to they need to package it. They need to make the audience want to go. Well, and and, and, and audiences right. are are loath to go to anything. But in a way, you could argue that the old the stars of yesteryear were a IP, were a brand, because the studio basically put them in the same kinds of movies over and over again. Right. So they became a brand in a sense, and we'll find out this isn't true, people associate Bogart mostly with the gangster persona or the cynical, the you know, the, more accurately, the, the cynical, you know, guy with who really had a heart, right? And they um, protected those images like crazy. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, the entire, I mean, one of the, the part of the premise of LA Confidential was exactly that. Like right. the lengths mm -hmm. to which the studios would go to protect um, the reputation of their stars, like, and that's why people like Betty Davis fought so hard to get out of the studio system and pick their own projects because she didn't want to keep doing the weepies and the same kinds <laughs> of stuff. She wanted to do something different. But you know, once you start to do something different, you're unpredictable. In a way, that seems to be when you lose a little bit of your star power, but you get taken more seriously as an actor. Mm -hmm. Look at Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks was, was this guy who people would go see in anything. But then he started really pushing the boundaries of what he would do. And he did some really interesting work, but he also 
you know, sort of lost his audience where, you know, having Tom Hanks in a movie doesn't necessarily mean it's going to open. Right. You know, like he did once- like last year, that movie about riding on the bus or whatever. And I don't remember anybody, but Greyhound or something, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I, I and it's sequel Trailways. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> um, okay. So yeah. this week, Humphrey Pilgard, this is a show that was recommended by one of our listeners. It was something that we've wanted to do for a while, but we try and space them out. I mean, we did Hackman last season or Hackman Fever Week last season. Yes. And uh, and I think we mentioned then we did Michael Caine. You know, Caine is Able Week. That was that was a great that was a great week. Um, hopefully we'll be doing more of these weeks in the future. But uh, I'm so glad that we're honoring uh, this remarkable actor. Humphrey Bogart. I'll tell you, there's a wonderful book I read a couple of years ago about him called Tough, Tough Without a Gun, The Life and Extraordinary Afterlife of Humphrey Bogart. And it's a terrific book. And look, spoiler alert, at the very end of the book, I, I, it's so sad. It's so sad because we all see Humphrey uh, Bogart as, um, uh, this, you know, tough, you know, guy who didn't need anybody. And here he is dying, you know, esophageal cancer. He had to be brought up in a dumbwaiter because he couldn't literally go up the stairs of his own house. And it was like the night before he died, he didn't know he was going to pass away. And Spencer Tracy and Catherine Hepburn came to visit him. And, uh, you know, Spencer Tracy, you know, at the end of the night just says, goodbye, Bogey. And Bogey puts his hand on his and says, goodbye, Spence. And it was like he knew that was it. And he said, and Spencer Tracy just started crying like he knew it was over. And the next day, um, Humphrey Bogart died. And it's just the most moving uh, uh, story. And that whole book is, is, you know, because Bogart was, was a, you know, like they said, tough without a gun. He was a really great guy in real life, too. I mean, he had his demons, as a lot of people did with, uh, with the drink. And uh, obviously, uh, he wasn't a womanizer, but obviously, uh, you know, his his. His his first marriage uh, didn't work out very well, and you know uh, him and and uh, Lauren Bacall became an item on the set of To Have and Have Not, and they ended up together. But um, but he also, you know, people forget, um, you know, uh, was involved with the committee for the First Amendment, which fought against Hewick. There was a lot of pushback. I know a lot of people then say he kind of lost his nerve, but what he took took amazing guts. Uh, to go to Washington and and protest against the House House Un-American Committee uh, during the time of the blacklist, when a lot of people, you know, were terrified and you know of standing up to McCarthy, uh, he really was a, a remarkable guy. And uh, you know, also his success came late. You know, he started on Broadway. Um, he was in a ton of forgettable Warner Brothers movies before he broke out in the Petrified Forest. So let's talk about Humphrey Bogart and curate a fantasy theme week of Humphrey Bogart classics, starting, of course, with Mr. Monday, Stephen Melching. Yeah, well, Bogart is is certainly, as you said, a, 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 a larger-than-life figure whose legacy loomed large. Uh, I, he died before any of us were born, but we all knew who he was. Uh, he was kind of still a movie star you know, into the 60s and 70s. He died in 1957, I believe. Um, but his his movies played on television all the time. And, and I, I used to remember, I think I became aware of who he was through the Looney Tunes cartoons because they would do those uh, 
the Bogart treat the caricatures on yeah. uh, on some of those cartoons. Um, and you know, to be honest, you know, I like Humphrey Bogart. I wouldn't say I'm necessarily a fan. Uh, in that I have not seen more than half a dozen of his movies um, in their entirety, and, and I've seen clips of a, of a lot of other ones. But um, the ones that I've seen, I, I am a big fan of, and, and my pick is probably my personal favorite of his movies. And it also happens to be the one that he won his only Oscar for uh, for his performance. And I'm talking about 1951's The African Queen from the thrilling pages of world-renowned author C.S. Forrester's story and filmed in the jungles and at the headwaters of Africa, the dark continent, in all the magnificence of color by technicolor comes the most exciting adventure ever screened. You promised you'd go down the river. There's death a dozen times over down the river. You promised. Well, I'm taking my promise back! Filmed in the treacherous wilds of Africa and directed by John Hewson, winner of a double Oscar award for the treasure of Sierra Madre. Against a savagely thrilling background, two people live a reckless adventure. Charlie Oman, lazy, gin-swilling, no better than he should be. And Rosie, straight-laced Rosie Sayers, who learns about life, all about it. I ain't sorry no more, you crazy, psalm-singing, skinny old maid. Two people thrown together against their wills. Get out! In a stirring and pulse-pounding story known in fact or fiction. Waiting for the supper, miss. I'm the captain, that's who. I ain't taking you along. You'd only be in my way. I suppose I was in your way going down the rapids. Then what you said to me back there on the river was a lie about how you never could have done it alone and how how you lost your heart and everything. You liar. I never dreamed that any experience could be so stimulating. Uh, directed by John Houston. Uh, produced by Sam Spiegel. And of course, this is that great uh, World War I era story of, uh, of Mr. where he plays Charles Allnut, uh, a boat captain of the African Queen in, in Africa. And uh, he comes uh, to, to meet uh, uh, Catherine Hepburn uh, and uh, in the wake of a German attack on the village that she and her brother are um, preaching and uh, take to the river and with this crazy scheme to destroy a, Jap a German gunboat uh, uh, that's patrolling this inland lake uh, in Africa and they need to, to maneuver their boat down this treacherous river. And it's just a great adventure story that's also a terrific romance uh, and, a, and a great comedy. Uh, I and think they based the Jungle Cruise on it. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, and this is a movie where uh, I think like uh, lucky Bogart for you that tiger jumps 20 feet <laughs> <laughs> traitor Sam Spiegel um, <laughs> but uh, I, I think it was uh, Bogart that, that suggested Hepburn to be his co-star mm -hmm. uh, in the film because they had never worked together and uh, they had such uh, John Houston realized they had such great chemistry when they started working together that they changed the ending 
of the movie. The the movie ends very differently from the novel written by C.S. Forster. The novel has a has a downbeat ending, but um, Houston said, "I you know I can't end this movie that way. People like these people too much. Mm-hmm. It needs a more adventurous uh, ending." So he brought in. You know, uh, J- Houston and James Agee wrote the, uh, the original screenplay, and then they brought in another writer, Peter Viertel, to uh, to to write the the new ending. And he joined the team in Africa to, to write this new ending. And um, and then Viertel wrote a novel about his experiences called White Hunter Black Heart, which is a great little movie directed by Clint Eastwood. Yeah. Uh, ostensibly about the behind the scenes of the making of the African Queen. It's definitely worth uh, a watch if you've never seen it. But um, so anyway, uh, it's, a, it's a terrific film. Um, famously, uh, Lauren Bacall came with Bogart to location. She spent the entire duration of the location shooting in Africa. They shot for weeks in Africa in a couple of different countries um, in addition to shooting on a back lot in London. And, um, you know, apparently Bacall, you know, helped with the, the medical station. She helped cook food. She just really helped run the base camp, uh, while being there to, to support, uh, Humphrey Bogart. Um, the movie's DP was the great Jack Cardiff who did, had done black Narcissus. And, uh, he, he brought, he insisted on bringing a generator and a couple of lights into Africa, even when Spiegel and everyone was saying, no, don't bring lights. You got all this natural lighting in Africa. And he's like, no, I'm going to need lights. Uh, and of course he did. Uh, and uh, the movie ultimately was honored with Oscar nominations for Best Director, Best Screenplay, Best Actress, and Best Actor. And only Humphrey Bogart won uh, his award for Best Actor. And uh, it was a film that uh, went out into release with relatively low expectations, but ended up being a big hit. And um, and and the rest is history. If I recall, I think Mick Meyer is a huge fan of African Queen. Didn't he do commentary on it or yes. something? Yeah, the, the yeah. Blu-ray uh, that came out about 10, 12 years ago uh, has a terrific hour-long documentary on the making of the film that uh, Nick Meyer is a big part of. And that Blu-ray is gorgeous because oh. before that, remember watching it, Darren, on Channel 5 in New York? Oh, the, yeah. Those prints were awful. It looked I terrible. used to watch it all the time. Washed and out. and then, the yeah, just terrible. It, it and then, looked like it walked from Africa. It's a totally different experience. <laughs> the lights. Watching yeah. this Blu-ray, which was meticulously restored, like I had only ever seen the film. I saw it on the big screen when I was at USC, but a terrible washed out, scratchy print. And then I'd only ever seen it on television or, or you know, VHS with that same yeah. horrible washed out print. But the, the new Blu-ray, well, not new, but the Blu-ray looks terrific. I, I love yeah. the film. Um, I, yeah, I first saw it on TV in New York. Um, but uh, I think they showed it at SC when I went there uh, in the big theater. And, oh, my God, it's just, uh, it's, it's gorgeous. And you... You really feel for the characters. You really go on this trip with them, and it's fascinating and fun. And you you sort of see it uh, start to get into a little bit of cliche, and then it completely steers away from it. Um, it's it's very it plays with the audience a little bit that way. I tell you what it does. It turns around. It runs straight at the cliche. <laughs> and rams it. <laughs> rams it. <laughs> it's uh, it's great, and uh, uh, Bogart is amazing, and uh, Catherine Hepburn is uh, 
luminous, even luminous. covered with eels. Plugs. <laughs> They have it's such a, a charming relationship in that movie. Yeah. Going from that, you know, starting out that sort of bickering, uh, you know, uh, repartee to like a real caring, loving relationship. Yeah. Very sweet. That, that trick always works, by the way. Does it? Yep. Only with Catherine Hepburn, though. Well, yeah. You won't get any arguments from us. It's a spectacular film. So, okay. Great pick. Monday nice starting Monday. us off with The African Queen. Uh, and that brings us to Tuesday and Darren Doctorman. Uh, it's interesting that uh, Steve would pick uh, something that was, you know, in the in the latter half, latter third of uh, his career. Um, I'm picking one that's even later. Mm -hmm. uh, that's uh, yeah, I, I, what, uh, I figured you would. Three years later, it's uh, um, Billy Wilder's Sabrina from 1954. <laughs> Il est entré dans mon cœur une part de bonheur. Why are you looking at me that way? All night long I've had the most terrible impulse to do something. Oh, never resist an impulse, Sabrina. Especially if it's terrible. I'm going to do it. There. What's that for? We can't have you walking up and down the Champs-Élysées looking like a tourist undertaker. And another thing. Never a briefcase in Paris and never an umbrella. There's a law. How am I ever going to get along in Paris without someone like you? Who'll be there to help me with my French? To turn down the brim of my hat? Suppose you meet someone on the boat the very first day out. A perfect stranger. I have a better suppose, Sabrina. Suppose I were ten years younger. Suppose you weren't in love with David. Suppose I asked you to. Well, I suppose I'm just talking nonsense. I suppose so. Suppose you sing that song again. Slowly. Quand il me prend dans ses bras. I had and, Mark uh, pegged for that one. Yeah. <laughs> was that <laughs> one of your Mark's picks, face Mark? tells me that Mark had Mark pegged for that no, one. No, no, no. I wasn't going to go with Sabrina. <laughs> <Okay>. No. <laughs> you would have heard me screaming. I would have took my choice. Sorry. <laughs> but I love Sabrina. Don't <laughs> I, get me wrong. I didn't mean to step on you, Darren. Go ahead. That's all right. It's uh, it's completely unexpected. Um, First of all, you, you wouldn't expect Humphrey Bogart to be in, you know, in a movie uh, love triangle. I mean, in real life, sure, but not in a movie. And it's, <laughs> uh, it's interesting because he is older in this and it's a, it's, a very, um, it's a very odd story. And it's sweet and, uh, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's really surprising. And, uh, you know, Audrey Hepburn is, dare I say, luminous. You can um, totally dare to say that. She's perfect. And and actually, William Holden is luminous, too, <laughs> uh, I have to say. But um, it's it's such a, a lovely story about uh, uh, Bogart plays this uh, sort of older businessman who is uh, uh, a, a confirmed bachelor. And uh, his younger brother is sort of a ne'er-do-well. And 
there's the, you know, Sabrina is the daughter of the chauffeur for this family. And uh, she sort of comes back from school and uh, is all is all woman suddenly. And um, it's the opposite really, of Roman holiday where she's the princess. Right. <laughs> it's a really it's a really sweet and touching uh, emotional story. And uh, if you haven't seen it, do. There was a, a remake back in the 90s with Harrison Ford. Ironically. Uh, that is OK. And Greg Kinnear. And, and Greg Kinnear, <laughs> who is OK. Um, do you but, remember who the girl was? I do. Yeah, it was uh, uh, French, 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 French actress. I don't know. Who was it? Julia Armand. That's right. Oh, yes. right. yes, but who is I'm no sure Audrey Hepburn? Moderately no luminous. Yeah. Moderately. But nobody luminous. is Audrey Hepburn. That's the problem. No one is no, Audrey. No Hepburn. one is Audrey Hepburn. And uh, it's 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 such a beautiful movie, and it's uh, it's a it's a, a tearjerker in spots. So. Well, good God, you know you got a Billy Wilder directing <laughs> it, a screenplay by Wilder and the great Ernst Lehman. I mean, what a pedigree. Ernst Stavro Lehman. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny because I was saving Sabrina for uh, Wild About Wilder Week. I figured when we did Billy Wilder Week, you know, I'd pull out the Sabrina. Uh, no, actually, that would not be my Billy Wilder pick. But um, but yeah, that, that look, what another great pick, another great movie and, you know, unexpected performance from him. And who would you expect to see him in a romantic comedy? You know, yes, But he's the only one who could who could play that. Especially at the time. I mean, like maybe there are other actors, whatever, but like there's something about Bogart because, because he's kind of the last guy you expect to see in that role. That's why it works, right? Yeah. Because you believe that like he is impenetrable. Right. And, and that is what makes that attraction feel so right. You know, yeah. and it's not just that nobody is Audrey Hepburn. It's that not even Harrison Ford <laughs> is Bogart, right? It's yeah. great. As Harrison Ford is right, right. It's like I would go to watch Harrison Ford smoke weed in the back of Michelle Pfeiffer's car, which uh -huh. you can see, which can happen, which can happen. Um, <laughs> but you know, it's there's just something very specific about Bogart's very carefully crafted and maintained persona yeah. in mm -hmm. that role that makes it sing, especially opposite her. He's so, I think, he's so on course yes. for most of the movie, yep. and. As you say, seemingly imperturbable. The unflappable man gets flapped. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I agree that, that uh, Bogart is a bigger star, you know, and, and, and than, than, than um, Harrison Ford. But, you know, the, the interesting thing, he couldn't have played that role. But the, the thing about um, Harrison Ford is uh, he could play more diverse roles than Bogie. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, if you look sure. at Harrison Ford, you know, um, he can go from Mosquito Coast, from Star Wars to Mosquito Coast to Raiders, you know, to Air Force One to just, Although you know, I Jack Ryan. I, I would have loved to have seen a Humphrey Bogart Blade Runner. Right? <laughs> oh my God. How great would that <laughs> be? That voiceover narration? Oh, that how was the other. How would that be? Right? That was you would other, never let anybody lose it. Yeah. That was the other actor week we did. Bill Ford Tough Week. We did Harrison Ford. We yeah. totally did. But I, and by the way, this is not me saying that, that Ford is in some way lesser. It's just yeah, that no, no, no. because of the difference in the system, yeah. it just, it's more, it just, it hits you more. And because it's it, fascinating. It, yeah. it's, I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, go ahead. Bogart would absolutely hit you more. Yeah, he totally, yeah. he would totally hit you more. Yeah. And Sabrina's not the only film that you could say Harrison Ford did a, a, a turn on a Bogart type role. Oh, sure. 
I mean, Raiders of the Lost Ark is a Bogart type role. Right. I mean, yeah, because he looks like, uh, uh, you know, from Treasure of Sierra Madre. I mean, he looks like him. Yep. He, 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 you know, he looks like uh, Debs. Okay. So <laughs> another great pick. Uh, let's go to Wednesday and Ashley Edward Miller. So, so far we have the African Queen, uh, le- you know, very late in his career, his first Oscar. It was a, 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 hu- a hugely successful movie for John Huston. Then we have Sabrina, Billy Wilder, another amazing director, also a big success, also for Paramount. Um, so Wednesday, what's it going to be for Ashley? Because, you know, this is going to be interesting. There's not as many crazy out of the box picks as you would think. Guys, um, look, first of all, I I just want to say for the record, and I think our listeners would agree, I have the hardest job on this podcast because (laughs) my job is, my job is to be bananas. My job is to be Herbie and go bananas. (laughs) <laughs> and surprise you and sometimes delight you, mainly horrify you, often confuse you. Um, and when you've got a filmography like, say, Michael Caine, right, you know, or Gene Hackman, it's, it, they, they, they've been in so many goddamn movies that, like, it's easy to find something that's a little bit off. Right? Let's you can bust out the swarm or something. Yeah, exactly. You can go bananas. <laughs> Bogart, like, uh, he, he look. He was in a bunch of movies, but it wasn't anything like that. It's like, what are you gonna bust out? We go. Oh yeah, great pick for Wednesday, Ash. You know, like let's let's go with that. Like, and uh, so I searched, and I searched, and I searched until finally. Oh God, I know what it's gonna be. Finally, his first movie. No. Oh. Okay. No, 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 my friend. No. My pick for Wednesday is Humphrey Bogart's. Last performance with a with a with a veritable galaxy of stars in this film. Other stars including Ingrid Bergman, James Cagney, Joan Crawford, Betty Davis, Kirk Douglas, Ava Gardner, Cary Grant, Alan Ladd, Veronica Lake, Burt Lancaster. They're all in this movie. Charles Lawton, Fred, my three sons, McMurray, <laughs> Vincent Price, Barbara Stanwyck. Lana freaking Turner, they're all in this movie with Steve Martin. Ah, oh. uh, yes. <laughs> 1982's homage, very loving homage to the noir films of the 40s and 50s. Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid. Steve Martin am Rigby Reardon in Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid. Will $200 be enough in advance, Mr. Reardon? $200, I'd shoot my grandmother. No criminal is too tough for him. (laughs) No pain is too great. Where'd you learn that? At camp. No joke. Too disgusting. Do I look like a dame? Not as much as I do. I haven't turned on the charm yet. He'll laugh in the face of danger. He'll dace in the fange of laughter. I'm on an important case. I need your help. These people we're dealing with are killers. Oh, thanks for telling me. Say something like, uh, no, no, Ma, look, listen to me. Ma, look, listen to me. He'll do anything in the quest for the elusive Academy Award. Sorry, 
you'll get action, romance, danger, sliding, animal impressions, comedy, 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 and drama. When Steve Martin, Rachel Ward, Carl Reiner, and Steve Martin find out why dead men don't wear plaid. You're through. What a guy. I think that's impressive. The people who brought you the jerk try to make it up to you. In which Humphrey Bogart plays Philip Marlowe, who is kind of the sad sack alcoholic, no tie wearing detective buddy of Steve Martin, Steve Martin's Rigby Reardon. Yeah. Um, and uh, it to say, first of all, I love this movie. Secondly, when I first saw it, I didn't get it because that, at that point I didn't love those movies yet. But now that I love those movies, now that I love that genre and I've really discovered it and embraced it, I love Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid. Um, it's funny, if it were released today, it would be immediately canceled by the Cultural Revolution. Um, you know, it's like, no, I can't no, even the cultural, like, bust out the, cultural, the best quotes of the movie because- The Cultural Revolution wouldn't even know what it is. Yeah, you're right. It's like, you're like, what? It's like, what, what is that? Words? What? Um, it, it's, I don't even know how to describe it, except to say that like, that it's, um, it's Carl Reiner directed it. And what's really clever about it is, like the, the concept is that, um, it's it's a noir. Uh, Steve Martin plays you know a gumshoe detective who gets hired by a beautiful girl to figure out who kills her father, who's a scientist and a cheesemaker. <laughs> and uh, as he pursues this case, you know he's following the clues and he's you know meeting with all of the people who are on like the enemies list who might be connected to it. Yeah. He's really interacting with clips of actors from these other films. And they've been cut together in such a way that the dialogue feels like it's all part of one scene. And the amazing thing about Bogart is that, number one, he's used more than anyone. But, but they, they take a bunch of his roles and they just play them all as Philip Marlowe. It's and when, the same like, thing, yeah. Yeah, exactly. We identify himself as somebody else. It's like, yeah, okay. It's like, Alan, like, whatever your name is. Yeah, okay. You can't pull a fast one on me. And then they go on with it. It's, it's, it's awesome. And what's crazy is like, it's just, it's so well edited because it you just sort of feel like it plays against how you normally picture Bogart, right? It's like, he's, you know, and like, we were talk, just talking about Sabrina, that, that he's unflappable, right? And, and they managed to pick all these scenes where he's totally flapped. Right. <laughs> and he's, yeah. like, oh, he's, he's the sad sack. I just—it's a great movie. I know it's insane. But. It, it has one of the silliest uh, jokes that I that I remember, and I still quote uh, almost weekly. Uh, you know, uh, she's looking at uh, this list that has FOC, the Friends of Carlotta, <laughs> yes. on the top, and and uh, and and uh, uh, Rigby Reardon takes it and says, "What's fuck?" And then, or, or maybe she says, "What's she fuck?" Says, yeah, and and she says, "Well, when a man and woman love each other very much, uh, yeah, it, it's, exactly. it's so it's so funny, and it's so again unexpected where all these clips from. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, Burt Lancaster is is unbelievable in it, and he didn't right. even know he was he was in it. Uh, <laughs> Cagney um, is great. Yeah, yeah, it's just it's so well done, and it it obviously shows an absolute love for these films." 
That's right. And um, that's why that's the reason why I felt comfortable picking it, honestly, because it really was about loving those movies and loving those actors. And unfortunately, um, I think it came at a time when most people didn't know those movies. Mm hmm. Yeah, that's why, yeah, I love the way you intro that film, Ashley, because I, I saw it in the 80s and I didn't know those movies right. and I didn't have a particular love of them. And I think now if I were, I probably haven't seen it in 30, 35 years, but I, I feel if I watched it today, I, I think would really would dig it. it today. So I'm going to have to check it out. Well, I got to tell you, I am flapped. And um, <laughs> if, if I hadn't got a haircut and was wearing my hat uh, that I've been wearing for weeks, months, uh, I, I would take it off and I would extend it to you because my hat is truly off to you, Ashley. You, you managed to come up with a pick that is 100% you and 100% the 430 movie. It really is a stroke of genius. <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm super impressed. And, and much like Steve... I have to say, when I first saw Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid, um, I was not a huge Steve Martin fan. Everybody in junior high school loved the jerk. I'm not, I was not a fan he of that kind of humor. Yeah. Um, you know, it, you know, it's like I, I was always a fan of more cerebral humor than slapsticky kind of humor, and uh, which is why I never really liked Jim Carrey that much either until mm -hmm. like The Truman Show and uh, uh, Eternal Sunshine. Um, but uh, so I saw it, you know, like at the dawn of the video era, mm -hmm. and like Steve had no appreciation for it whatsoever because I did not know the movies, did not <laughs> like the film. Many years later, after I became a huge film noir fan, I watched it again and I absolutely loved it, you know, because I knew all the I knew all the clips and I just was amazed by the sheer audacity of it. And mm -hmm. and and Steve Martin is genius, you know? Totally genius. And, and Carl Reiner, you know? A running joke with the bullets. Yeah. Right. Yeah, or yeah. cleaning woman is yeah, brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cleaning woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, just, the, you know, when he meets at the supermarket from Double Indemnity, it's just, it's so inspired. As you say, it's a loving homage rather than a poking fun at these legends. And You gave uh, me a look I could feel in my left-hand pocket. <laughs> <laughs> I kissed her with all of my lips. <laughs> I haven't seen a woman that built since the case of the missing woman with the. Uh, it's great. It's amazing. a great pick. By the way, Carl Reiner. I just have to say, Carl Reiner's German accent. He sounds exactly like Tom Hardy playing Bane. Mm. <laughs> Go back and watch and yeah. just think about. Oh yeah, yeah, that's crazy. But great. Crashing this plane. Sounds <laughs> 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 exactly like Tom Hardy playing Jean Luc Picard. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> uh, my God. Okay, so that's a great pick. We all agree. Fantastic. Um, that brings us to Thursday. I'm, I'm adding it to my wish list on Amazon right nice. now. Nice. Outstanding. You, you you should. It's it's. Uh, I want to watch it again. <laughs> it's lovely. Um. So okay. So that brings us to me. Uh, you will be happy to know I have I have one pick. I have the one pick, and it's not Casablanca because. Look, Casablanca has been on the show. I'm sure. going to make a passionate case for it on Friday. Um, mm -hmm. We'll see what happens, uh, even though it's been on the show. But, I mean, it's like, uh, but, uh, you know, I, you guys have gone all with late era. Um, Very late. Uh, Humphrey. I'm, I'm actually, I'm a, little, I'm a little surprised. And I kind of thought Darren was going to go with the cane mutiny. So I was throwing a little bit of a, 
you know, because I, I, I know, um, not quite so predictable as uh, you we were led to believe. believe. <laughs> 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 um, but, uh, but uh, I know, so not exactly. Um, and I thought Steve was going to go with the barefoot contestant. No, I did not do that. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, for me, I look, I've, I, I've come very close to picking this on the show before. Uh, it was written by the uh, the great Lee Brackett of Empire Strikes Back fame, <laughs> uh, Jules Firthman, and of course, um, uh, the, the uh, James Faulkner. Um, William Faulkner. What am I talking about? James Faulkner is the actor from Atomic yeah. Blonde. William Faulkner is the legendary. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And William Faulkner. And it was based on the Raymond Chandler uh, film uh, novel, The Big Sleep. And um, look, you know, there's a lot of arguments about who's the greatest Philip Marlowe. Those are stupid because <laughs> they're because the greatest Philip Marlowe. Sorry, Kay, is uh, it's Humphrey Bogart. I'm sorry. It's like. It's not well, yeah. freaking William Powell. And dead men don't wear plaid. I mean, come it's on. It's not William Powell and Murder My Sweet. No <laughs> hoofer can be the greatest Philip Morris. Philip Morris. <laughs> Philip Morris. Is he a misogynist? We can't record this late anymore. No, but he, he did know uh he did know uh Pete Pot Whistle. And um and so uh <laughs> Call I mean, for look. Philip Marlowe. He he's so that's an old reference, folks. He's yes, indeed. <laughs> he's so great. He he's so great. And in Robert Montgomery is is the worst as uh, 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 Phil Marlowe imaginable. Although uh, Robert uh, Mitchum gives him a a run for his money in the remake of The Big Sleep. Uh, I actually like Ellie Gould in in Long Goodbye. But okay, I digress. The fact is, The Big Sleep. Oh, yeah, I'm looking for a good mystery on something off the beaten track like the Maldives Fork. And... Oh, that was a fascinating story. But here's one that has everything the Falcon had and more. It's Raymond Chandler's latest bestseller, The Big Sleep. What a picture that'll make. You mind if I look at it? Huh. Sometimes I wonder what strange fate brought me out of the storm to that house that stood alone in the shadows. As I probed into its mysteries, every clue told me a different story. But each had the same ending, murder. Every instinct warned me to beware that something more dangerous, more deadly than I'd ever known before was in that room. And suddenly... I like that. I'd like more. of the whole film is great it's the original release the snyder cut no it's um what's so interesting about the big sleep of course was it was going to be released by warner brothers in 1945 but uh world war ii was coming to an abrupt end and so warners was anxious to get all their war movies out because they thought 
they'd be dated. Nobody wanted to see a movie about the war. And now the war was coming to an end. So they held on to the big sleep and waited till 1946. But in the short period that they had had it out and showed it around, people hated it. Um, and, uh, it, 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 and, and, and we're not, and it did not respond to it at all. It's, it, and, and, uh, what happened in the, to have it happen and Bogart and Bacall, their first time on screen together, people are made like the chemistry between the two of them. It's, it's astounding. It's incredible. And so basically Charles K. Feldman, you all know him as the producer of Casino Royale many years later who was Lauren Bacall's agent at the time, convinces Warner Brothers to shoot new scenes with Bogey and Bacall. Uh, and and they, they basically shoot another 20 minutes of footage for the film. And uh, they cut a whole bunch of expositional crap uh, from, from the movie. And it's released in 1946. It's a hit. It's amazing. It makes absolutely no sense whatsoever Nobody understands what's going on in the movie, including Raymond Chandler, who famously when asked, so who killed the chauffeur? He goes, I have no fucking idea. I don't know if he said <laughs> fucking idea, but that was basically a good thing. Uh, but it doesn't matter because the, the dialogue is like poetry. The banter is some of the best banter that's ever been written. And the, the rewrites were written by Jules Epstein. And there's a scene, of course, uh, where um, basically Lauren Bacall uh, compares the, and... Uh, Bogart are talking about horse racing and riding horses. And clearly they're not really talking about riding horses. And so uh, the, 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 um, the banter and the uh, sexual innuendo and their way of navigating around the Hayes code is absolutely brilliant because already the book was so um, um, there was no way they could have adapted the book. It's about pornographers and there's homosexual um, a subplot between uh, two of the conspirators, and there was no way they could have actually faithfully adapted the book. So the fact that they make this just super bantery, romantic, brilliant film with like these two amazing movie stars, and you, it, it's so interesting to see how they reshaped Lauren Bacall's performance. Because not only does she come alive in the 1946 version, but they even give her different costumes and what a difference it makes. And what was wonderful was I forget what year it was. It was probably 1997. Warner Brothers unearthed the original version and put it on a, uh, in a theatrical release and then on a DVD. And I went to go see the theatrical release. And, you know, they first they played the 1945, which I wouldn't say is interminable, but it's very slow. And it's not particularly good. And there's a ton of exposition. It makes a lot more sense than the 46 version. And it's not very good. And the 46 version is a revelation in comparison to the original 1945 version. So um, I don't know if you haven't seen this movie. This is quintessential Humphrey Bogart at his best. He's wearing a, a fedora. He's doing <laughs> detecting. He's quipping. You know, uh, there, there, there's this wonderful scene where he gets into a taxi cab and, uh, you know, he's, he's following someone. And the, the female taxi driver says to him, because of course it was filmed during the war. So, you know, uh, it was a, wo a woman taxi driver. And she says, uh, and he says, can I call on you? Um, you know, she says, oh, call me anytime if you need me. And he goes, uh, day or night? And she goes, uh, uh, not days. She goes, call me nights. I work days. 
It's it's such it's just such a great <laughs> it's such great dialogue throughout and the stuff you know from the very first scene where he goes to meet with General Sternwood through the the, the wonderful scenes with Martha Vickers um, who plays uh, the younger Rutledge daughter to Lauren Bacall's older uh, sister. It's just it's just just a special film. Uh, it's a great detective movie. It's a great noir. Um, and Humphrey Bogart, uh, you know, I'm reluctant to say has never been better, but he's certainly amazing in it. It's a tour de force. He's so great as Philip Marlowe. And I've watched this movie so many times. And, I, you know, it's, it's, it's one of my go-to films. Just when I want to watch something, you know, I turn it on just because the dialogue is like watching a great piece of music. It's um, amazing. Well, there you go. Yeah, this is a movie that I, uh, I I wouldn't say I actively avoided it, but I just wasn't particularly interested in it because I, I wasn't uh, familiar with uh, early 20th century hard-boiled slang. So I, The Big Sleep sounded like a movie about napping or something. I just wasn't that interested. But yeah, I, I, it's a terrific it's a terrific movie, and, and and now I want to watch this one again too. That's the problem with doing the show. I always talk about all these movies that I either have never seen and I'm really excited to see, or ones I haven't seen in a long time and want to give a sec- second chance to, or, or want to watch again. Some call oh, it the undiscovered country, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> no. Traveler returns unbound. Uh, I love the Big Sleep. I think if I weren't look into be Wednesday, that, that might've been my pick. I mean, there are certainly other things that we go, Oh, that's quintessential Bogart. But, um, yeah. but uh, I love the big sleep and I'm with you. He's the best Philip Marlowe. There's not even a question about it. No, I mean, and I like murder my sweet, yeah. but when Powell, you know, doesn't hold the candle to, to, um, to Humphrey Bogart. Oh, okay. So that, that's my pick for Thursday, which brings us to, to Friday. Now I mentioned that I said that, Oh, Casablanca, Casablanca, right. Uh, has to be, but of course, there's another film that looms super large in there the filmography. Yeah. I know what it is. Go ahead. Um, he's not only the best Philip Marlowe, he's the best Sam Spade. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely goddamn right. <laughs> and, and he's uh, nowhere more Sam Spadey than in <laughs> The Maltese Falcon. That's right. In 1941. You could even say it's the thing that dreams are made of. Dreams are made on, is the quote, but the movie gets it wrong, which is funny, and I love that. (laughs) Just don't Um, pick Ashley's pick, it'll be Peter Falk and the Black Bird. Right. That was going to be be my pick, goddammit. I love that movie. I watched it whenever it was on TV. Look, man. George Siegel playing Sam Spade Jr. I was this close to murder by death, okay? so (laughs) Okay, fine. Then I pick but. play it against them with Woody Allen and Humphrey Bogart. Shit. <laughs> uh, That's a good one. I, uh, no, it's so funny. Because when you look at it, Blackbird, the chief detective, murdered by death, uh, played against Sam. What you t- what an icon he was. That yeah. everyone knew the persona. And that there was a, all these movies that well, were steeped. At least all the filmmakers knew the persona. Right. The man with Bogart's face. Remember right. we went to Alan Spencer's birthday party? Yes, and he was there. <laughs> he was there. That's right. He greeted us. They had oh Bogey God. greeting Boulder? us. Was it Alan Spencer's birthday party? Yeah. yeah. Was, it like a, was it like weekend at Bernie's? Like, what the hell was... Oh, it was, it was weekend, weekend at Alan's. 
it was it started it was, with it started with this man with Bogart's face. Literally, the guy who starred in the man with Bogart's face dressed in a white tuxedo, greeting us. That's creepy. And Did then he? things got really weird. Yeah, <laughs> because because all of a sudden, in the middle of the party, these apes came in and started firing machine guns and attacking everyone. And and, and, and they and, rounded and, and us wondering, up. Like yeah, he rounded us up, wanting to know what humans were doing, uh, unaccompanied by uh, by by apes, and how we could guys, talk. Three or four Very guys. much feels like something that would happen at Alan Spencer's house, but yeah, full and, Planet of the Apes regalia and makeup, yeah. firearms no. brandished and everything came bursting in. It's a toss-up if that party was better than the eyes wide shut birthday we had for Rob Burnett oh in nineteen ninety nine, where. Wow. Everyone came in masks, and we had the music done, 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 and we <laughs> we had we had everything except the essentials to that party. Yeah, um, man, I missed the good era. <laughs> <laughs> I missed all the yeah, you did. Yeah. <laughs> How do you refer to it? Non-essentials, right? <laughs> um. We, yeah. we digress. We, no, we digress. <laughs> Indeed, we we, we so, so digress. If like if you're not going to do Casablanca, then I think the I think it Falcon. has to be the Maltese Falcon because. Uh, and I would argue with that. Okay, okay are you ready? Yeah. I would say the big thing covers the, the, the covers the detective ground. Whereas oh, if Treasures you want to, there you go. Yeah, because that's another completely that different performance. That covers the adventure. It although uh, African although Queen is kind African of Queen does too. But yeah. this is a different performance. Yeah. And it, well, Adventure obviously. has a name. <laughs> yeah, <it's, laughs> Adventure has an old name. Uh, <laughs> um, I really thought it was going to break down that um, that uh, that Steve was going to bust out Treasure of the Sierra Madre. And, and do the thing. And that Darren seen. was going to bust out the big sleep. Mm. And uh, so, and I thought that you... Mark, we're going to get Sabrina, and I thought that's exactly like where we land. But um, yeah, I'm surprised I actually didn't come up with played against Sam initially. I'm surprised too. Uh, yeah, because uh, I, I love I love I love that movie. Yeah, that'd be more Wednesday than Wednesday. You know, look and played against Sam. Obviously, I love it so much. It was the original inspiration for Free Enterprise, right? Because the whole idea was we were doing played against Sam with Shatner instead of Bogart. I mean, that was the way we pitched it. It's played against Sam. With Captain Kirk instead of Shatner's, Bogart. Shatner's Bogart impersonation is not good, though. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, I always loved playing against Sam. I just thought it was so brilliant because in the movie, you know, um, Woody Allen, you know, is having trouble with women. He basically wants to find a role model, you know, and, and he conjures up uh, uh, Humphrey Bogart, who's giving him all this advice. And it has that great ending, you know, on the tarmac. Uh, where yeah. he gives the speech to Diane Keaton. It's so inventive. I mean, he wrote it as a play and obviously adapted it. Herb Ross actually directed it into a right. movie, but it's a wonderful film for people who haven't seen it. I'm not going to make the argument that it should be Friday, but I, I will say that if, if our listeners haven't seen the movie, um, they should check it out because it's super funny. Although the gag, I guess, doesn't play anymore with the phone numbers, forwarding the phone. Yeah. With the, uh, I'll be at CL5362 for the next 10 <laughs> minutes. After that, I'll be at L07982. Yeah, but uh, okay. Um, you know, so we got we got Casablanca. We got the Maltese Falcon. We got Treasures Sierra Madre. You could throw the Cane Mutiny Kane in there, mutiny. too. Absolutely. Um, you got the Mysterious Dr. X. No. Um 
Has anyone, I haven't seen this movie, but I, when I was doing my research, I, I read about it and it looks interesting to me. Uh, Body and Soul, where he plays a World mm. War One flying ace. I, I always love a good World War One. I've, like I've never seen it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, Body and Soul's good. Body and Soul's yeah. good. I wouldn't, I wouldn't make the case for it for this week. Um, yeah. Oh. I don't Boy, know. Wow. Look, I think, look, Casablanca, we, we've, we've definitely hit and it's a classic. And for me, it's on a pedestal. It's one of my favorite movies of yeah. all time. And I would never tell you, like, let's not program it for Friday. But because we've done it before, I say, let's, uh, I would share the love. Retire. Yeah. Uh, I'm with you. I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. You know, so and if there the wasn't anything made, on that level that yeah. was so great, you know, I would say, okay, we got to go with the movie that towers. But, but, you know, I look, Casablanca, you and I definitely agree is one of the greatest movies of all time. Um, but, you know, some of these other movies are pretty spectacular. So let's they go are. with that. So I think it's it's what is the quintessential Bogart movie. And I think that you can make a strong case for Treasure of the Sierra Madre. But in terms of what's truly iconic, like, what do you think Maltese of? Falcon. Like, who's top What do you think of when you think about Humphrey Bogart? Uh, French Maltese Falcon. Falcon. Yeah. 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 Maltese yeah. Falcon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Maltese Falcon. I think it cast a blind. It is the most iconic of his films. Come closer. I want to talk to you. I'm going to tell you an astounding story. The story of the Maltese Falcon. 600 years, the Falcon has carried the mystery of a fabulous wealth under its grotesque wings. I could tell you a thousand tales of the men and women who have hunted this evil bird. But every story has the same ending. Murder. Listen to these incredible people, all consumed by their passionate greed for the Maltese Falcon. What have you ever given me beside money? Have you ever given me any of your confidence, any of the truth? Haven't you tried to buy my loyalty with money and nothing else? What else is there I can buy you with? I won't play this app for you. I haven't lived a good life. I've been bad. Worse than you could know. We were talking about a lot more money than this. There are more of us to be taken care of now. Well, that may be, but I've got the falcon. You may have the falcon. We certainly have you. I've taken a lot of writing from you I'm going to take. Get up and shoot it out. Stop it. The police will be here any minute. Now talk. Oh, how can you accuse me of such a terrible... This isn't the time for that schoolgirl act. We're both of us sitting under the gallows.
I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't no, I mean, so it's it's, it's 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 so great, and of course, it has so many people from Casablanca in it, like sure. you know, Peter Lorre and Sidney Greenstreet, and um, mm. uh, I have no idea why I'm doing this, Rick. But <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Steve? What do you think of uh, Maltese Falcon? Uh, personally, I like Treasure of the Sierra Madre more as a movie, but I cannot find fault in your logic for wanting to select the Maltese Falcon for Friday. And so I would not object. Yeah. I like it is a great movie, but I just like treasure of the Sierra Madre more. I, I like the argument that Ashley's making is like, let's go with the iconic choice. And since the, the Casablanca is clearly the absolutely most iconic choice, then Maltese Falcon is certainly the close second in terms of, in terms of being iconic and associated with that classic, uh, um, bogey persona. um, Absolutely. You know, and, it, and then, of course, called. Mary Astor. If you haven't read Mary Astor's Purple Diaries, which is all about the um, uh, 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 Mary Astor, and, and uh, it's it's wild. It's absolutely, I mean, she was, you know, you, you talk about the truth beyond the headlines that the fan magazines were putting out. And, I mean, these were some real kinky, screwed up people. And Mary Astor was... In you Hollywood? Know, like, Are you kidding? Never. But, but, but her, you know, stories of Mary Astor very, are, hush, hush. <laughs> uh, you know, and this was really, you know, her big movie because she worked after that, but never had the kind of role that she had in um, Maltese Falcon. And Sydney Greenstreet, so freaking good in that movie. Yeah. Um, as Job of the Hutt. Yeah. As Job of the Hutt. Yeah. <laughs> Han, Han, my boy. That was originally George Like George Lucas originally wanted Sydney Greenstreet. On yeah. on me Bogart. <laughs> you know, and, and he shot you know, first. It's interesting because if you look at the Peter Maltese Falcon, shoot. it was right. really shortly after the dawn of sound. So it's it's one of the more stagey. It's not cinema, you know, it's John Houston's first movie. It's yeah. not particularly cinematic, but mm -hmm. it doesn't matter. Yeah. Right. It's because a great story. And it's, it's well so, acted. Mm -hmm. It's still fluid. Yeah. yeah. And it's a remake of uh, Satan Meets the Lady, right? I, yeah. Yeah. Because interestingly, George Raft was, they, the studio wanted, but he had in his contract that he didn't have to do remakes, which right. is so funny because Bogart kept getting these roles that George Raft was passing on because originally George Raft was the first choice for Casablanca. And right. nobody would still remember Casablanca had George Raft done that. You know, everybody talks about Ronald Reagan, but it was really George Raft that they, they originally wanted for Kessler. Ronald Reagan, the actor? <laughs> <laughs> and and I, you know why it's good we're not picking Casablanca also? Because Ingrid Bergman and Humphrey Bogart both did not like that being their, the, the movie on their tombstone. That the movie everyone loved the, them the most in. Uh, you know, Stanley Harrison Ford never liked being associated with Star Wars as much. Yeah, yeah, more apt. But you know, they they didn't love the, the Casablanca was the film that everybody associated with them. So I think going with Maltese Falcon and he had a lifelong friendship with John Houston uh, is, is probably the better choice. I think so. We we're agreed. Yes. Okay. Yes. What a what an amazing week! You can't go Ooh. wrong with any of these movies, can you? No, no, sir. Okay. Well, guys, Steve, Monday, it's... Monday, it's Humphrey Bogart and Catherine Hepburn and John Huston's The African Queen. Tuesday, Darren Dockerman. Tuesday, it's Humphrey Bogart and 
Audrey Hepburn in Sabrina. <laughs> Wednesday. Wednesday. It's Humphrey Bogart, Steve Martin, and freaking everybody in Carl Reiner's 1982 Dead Men Don't Wear Plaidé. Thursday. It's the big sleep, see? And on Friday, it's the Maltese Falcon. Yeah. You know, as a kid, I had a teddy bear named Humphrey Beargart. Wow. <laughs> you never heard of the Maltese Falcon? It's a true story. <laughs> and and I, I kept it for a long time. Unfortunately, one of our cats, when he was having urinary problems, peed in his fedora. <laughs> oh, how sad. Very, no, very sad. So, no. But he still had the... Uh, my son has it now, but he had... It, 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 no, not the pee hat. We had to get rid of that. But he has Humphrey Bogart because it was actually, a, you know, they made it. It was Humphrey Bogart. It was I didn't call him Humphrey. It was he was Humphrey Bogart, and right. and uh, he had the trench coat and the, the the whole thing, and it's 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 cool. Okay, all right. <laughs> uh, maybe a little too much TMI, too much information. Well, guys, this is a great this is a great week. I have a great week on the four thirty movie, and it would also make a great Muppet movie. It would. Any, you know, could you see Humphrey Bogart and Bogart with the uh, honestly, with Dead the Man Don't Wear Plaid is almost a Muppet movie. <laughs> Bogart would be with all the bullets getting sucked out. Although I can kind of see that too. Bogart. I could see Miss Piggy as a femme fatale. Yeah, Bogart would be a great straight man surrounded by Muppets. I can totally see it. Humphrey. Ah. I, I could totally see Gonzo the Great as like a Gunzel, mm. you know, <laughs> he could be like Elijah Cook Jr. <laughs> I mean, it's really good. And then, and then, you know, who do who do you have to play the ingenue? You know, not but you got Miss Piggy for the noir, so you need. Oh, then you can have what's your name for the band? Yeah, Janice. Janice. Janice yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, it's great. It's it's. it's I, I would go see this in a heartbeat. I think we'd all go a heartbeat. That. Be awesome. Okay, guys, this has been another fabulous episode of the 430 Movie. I'd like to thank our audience, as always, for joining us for another episode. We'll be well, back thanks next for the Friday. Suggestion. Thanks for the suggestion. Oh, yeah. I'm thanks so glad you mentioned suggestion. that, Steve, because in addition to suggesting it, they also said, I hope you'll mention We're No Angels. And we didn't mention oh. it, so I'm mentioning oh. it now. So now we're mentioning it. I'm not well, a huge fan. I'll tell you we something. are no angels either. <laughs> I, 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 when I went to see the remake with Sean Penn, um, I had never seen We're No Angels. I didn't so love you, the remake. Now, was went Sean back, Penn in the remake or you went with Sean Penn? You know, no, he was in the remake. And, and then at, when okay. that came out, the original was on home video. And I went back and, uh, and, and watched it. Didn't love it. Hmm. Did, and also Desperate Hours, I don't love either. Um, which got remade with Mickey Rourke. And, you know, oh, we didn't talk about Dark Passage, which kind of got remade as Johnny Handsome. But that's a whole nother podcast. That's, so, a, that's the um, remake podcast. Yeah, yeah. So many movies we didn't even touch on. I mean, I barely, I can't believe we, we barely touched on K-Mutiny. But you know what? Them's the breaks. Oh, so, uh, Morris, yeah. that's, that's for Michael K-Mutiny week. Well, look, you know, we'll be back with an all-new theme week next Friday. Um, it's been great having you back on this fourth season of the 430 movie. We want to thank our sound engineer, the great Bill Ritter, uh, his associate, Mark Rivera, who's been doing a beautiful job on the show. Thank you to Mark for jumping in, our producer, Nellie Miscali, and our 
associate producers, Zach Raggetts and Peter Holmstrom, who've been immensely helpful as always. We're hoping to get back in the studio soon. And we're thrilled to announce that we now have an Instagram page where you can follow us, the 430 Movie on Instagram, as well as on Twitter and on Facebook. And Just of course, you can watch the, us. Look for the pictures of the old movies. <laughs> and, and of course, you can watch us on uh, the Electric Now app, which you can download for free from your favorite app store. Um, and, and we encourage you to watch and listen to uh, other podcasts like uh, Cartoon Barroom with Ashley and Steve, where they talk about all kinds of great cartoon goodness, including their show on Netflix airing now, Dota Dragon's Blood. So check that out on Netflix. And then if you're a Star Trek fan, come on down to the Inglorious Trexperts. <laughs> <laughs> where we're, we're all talking about the, the Trek, the Star Trek. Come on down. down. We got, we're cooking, we got cooking sausages up front. We got yes, kitties. And if you want to go on deep dives of significant Star Trek episodes, we're doing audio commentary on the Trek Sports Briefing Room, which is an audio podcast available wherever you listen to podcasts. And of course, Best New Movies Never Made, a terrific podcast with Josh Miller and um, Steve Scarlatta about unmade uh, uh, projects. Uh, uh, so there you go. Whew. That's everything, right? That's I don't have to I'm done. I don't have to say anything more. <laughs> I got enough of this guy. I'm so, going to take a uh, big good. sleep or a big nap. Don't bogart okay, that. Okay, well, Nothing. then on behalf of Steve, Ashley, Darren, and myself, until next week, Eyewitness News starts now. This show is produced by Dean Devlin and Mark A. Altman and is an Electric Surge Network production.